Good morning, Pat. Hey, good morning, Isaac. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, thank you. Uh, that is great. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's Pat Lynn and Isaac Johnson, we're your hosts for Take the Word for It, and we're super excited to have you here with us today. Um, we took the week off last week for Labor Day weekend. I know I had a blast uh, with my family. We went to the Ellensburg Rodeo, the biggest uh, rodeo on, on Labor Day in the United States, so that was pretty fun. Um, Isaac, what, what do people do for Labor Day in Alaska? Well, it's a little different up here because for Labor Day, it's kind of like usually the last day of the fair. Um, so that happened, and the weather was nice. And then also everybody, it's kind of like the last day of summer unofficially. So everybody goes out of town or goes to the fair. So we went shopping and kind of got awesome. school supplies, and it was awesome. There was just no one in the stores. They still have all the same sales, but they're really it was just kind of like, this was great. So we we went out to lunch and just kind of did a family day, and it was it was really nice. So that's awesome. That's good to hear. Well, uh, let me start us with a word of prayer here. We don't normally do that, but uh, we want to lean on the word and just thinking maybe uh, this morning we could pray. So, Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for being with us today for our conversation, and as uh, so we're going to talk about how to turn conflict into a win-win uh, scenario. And so, Heavenly Father, I know that you have a plan for conflict. Your word is full of conflict. Uh, we learned last week that it is a gift that you can actually use to bring out hidden things, Lord, bring things to the surface. And then, um, you know, it helps build relationships when you learn how to solve those things. And so today we want to talk, Father, about um, how can we do conflict in a way that honors you and helps mm -hmm. the people that are involved in it. And, uh, Father, I just thank you for your love. I thank you that you reign. I thank you that you have already won the greatest conflict and that your word shows us that. And so I uh, thank you for what your son Jesus did on the cross. Uh, for each and every one of us that brought that victory. And so, Lord, we lift that up. And we thank you today. Uh, and we just give you this conversation ahead of time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Isaac, this is just kind of one of the questions that we have to, you know, for today as we're talking about how we turn conflict into a win-win. If, if conflict, as we discovered in our last thing, is a tool that can be used to bring all these things to the surface and to show us good things, um, why are so many, and maybe I'll just ask you this, you know, why are, why are so many, or, or the question we want to get to is, why are so many relationships and marriages ruined by conflict? Um, because I think, you know, people, first of all, don't understand it. Um, and they, they, and, and then the rest of it, the other part is just that so many of us have grown up in environments where conflict was done poorly, um, oh. whether we were, we were yelled at, we were belittled, um, just treated uh, hurtfully. And so we already have a predisposition towards conflict as human beings that, that sees it as a negative thing. Um, and so I think marriage, of course, just draws that out and you're stuck with this person for life. Uh, and, and so it's going to create some agitation, uh, but but also any other relationships too, a job, uh, you know, with a boss or a coworker, a friendship, um, those are all designed to agitate. And um, people kind of have one of two ways of dealing with conflict: they either want to avoid it completely, or they just want to win and, sure. and dominate. And neither one seems to be very effective. 
Yeah, um, I have to be honest that I am a win and dominate kind of person just at, at my flesh level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, growing up, it was uh, physically easy for me to do in most scenarios because I'm 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 a large guy. I'm, I'm was like six foot four in seventh grade, so um, wow, you know, it was like an easy thing. And then, uh, unfortunately, I went there. Uh, with my mouth, you know, I would just start intimidating people or talking trash, I guess is what you would call it with, you know, with my mouth. And then when I met, when I met Jesus, Jesus Mm -hmm. just, you know, there was something about the Holy Spirit in me when I gave my life to the Lord at 19 years old. And the Lord was like, Hey, uh, you know, this needs to change. And, um, I think what's funny about that though, is I think I may have gone to the complete opposite end of it naturally, just not wanting to have conflict at all. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and and I certainly see both of those, uh, you know, in my marriage and in relationships time, time when I'll uh, pester pester people or most of the time, if it happens to be with my wife, I just try to run from it. And you're saying neither one of those are good strategies. (laughs) Unfortunately, no. Okay. Okay, well, you know, the word says a ton about conflict and um if you know the scriptures, you know that conflict existed from the very beginning, right? Uh, you have mm-hmm. uh, Satan coming to Adam and Eve at the very beginning and trying to introduce doubt and, and change, you know, their trust in the Lord. And uh, then then you have when when the Lord confronts them about it, Adam throws Eve under the bus. And, and you have probably, I would assume, a conflict about that that arose from the very beginning. In our world, mm-hmm. on, on big stages... You know, yesterday uh, was 21 years of 9-11, the anniversary of 9-11. Right. Uh, do you remember where you were when 9-11 happened, Isaac? I was getting ready to go to work and uh, just was watching the news, and it was just like that breaking news, and it I'll, I'll never forget that. I can just remember just how I felt. It was like the rest of the day was just marred uh, with, with sadness and, and just shock. Yeah. Yeah, I was walking into the cafeteria at Northwest University when someone came in and said, um, go back to your dorm rooms and turn your TV on, you know, and I'll never forget mm-hmm. that. And, back and, and uh, you know, we're able to see those things on television. I don't know if that's even the right way to phrase it, but certainly, you know, remember those events. And, and you know, 21 years, that's like half, half my lifetime ago. And the thing about it is that conflict actually didn't even start on 9-11-2001. That is a conflict over the Holy Land that has been there for thousands of years. You know, you can yep. go right back to Ishmael. And so, um, but but in terms of personal relationships, you know, God has some standards for how he ex- expects us to act. And so uh, the words for the day, I've got a couple of verses on this, and then I want to ask you a few questions. Jesus in Matthew 18, uh, gave a strategy for conflict that, um, as a teacher, I've loved to give to students. And I tell my kids all the time, uh, <laughs> just, you know, did you do Matthew 18? And uh, something I learned as a teacher from uh, someone who, uh, you know, was a, a mentor of mine. And this is crazy because this actually helps you in terms of resolving conflict with others. It helps you uh, stay out of it frequently. But says, if another believer sins against you, this is Jesus' words, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take 
one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. So the Lord's saying you have a conflict with someone else. You, you're, you need to own this. You need to go to them privately, not publicly, not on Facebook, not on Instagram, not, um, you know, by talking behind their back at the dinner table at the church potluck. Uh, you know, none of those things. You need to go to them privately and you need to say, hey, uh, this, this offended me or I believe this was a sin against me and I'd like to talk to you about it. And owning, uh, you know, what you've done. Scripture is pretty clear on this. And then it actually goes on in this verse, and it says, if they refuse to listen, even after you've talked to them, you take it to the church, and then if they continue to refuse to listen, it says, treat them like you would a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. And I would think at that level, that's not great. <laughs> like, right. Like, hey, we're, we're kind of done because you won't listen. Mm-hmm. Um, first Peter uh says this first peter 3 8 and 9 finally all of you should be of one mind he's talking to the believers here the family of christ sympathize with each other love one another as brothers and sisters be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude don't repay evil for evil if someone hurts you don't repay them with evil don't retaliate with insults when people insult you instead pay them back with a blessing that is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Um, kind of in the same picture here, you know, when Jesus talks about the Roman uh, guard coming to you and, uh, you know, slaps your cheek, he says, what? Turn the other cheek to him. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's totally counterintuitive, counterhuman. Um, I know my anger, someone does something like that to me, brushes up, I just want to destroy them. And so that's the Holy, he's saying the Holy Spirit is going to allow you to turn that other cheek and use some self-control there. They ask you to walk a mile, go the extra mile. And once you're, you're, you know, your coat, give them your tunic as well, or your tunic, give them your, it comes down to your coat and your shirt, hand them both off, you know, at, mm-hmm. at that time. Um, and saying the same thing that he's saying right here, you know, pay these insults and these things back with a blessing. So... Uh, I, I guess in some of this, the Bible even shows us that God initiates conflict um, right. with, with us, and he wants us to initiate conflict with others, uh, and, and he wants peaceful outcomes. So he doesn't want you to necessarily, I mean, this is going straight back to it, someone insults you, go to them and say, this is what I have against you right now, right, privately first. So it's asking you mm-hmm. to initiate conversation about it. So my first question for you is, what are some practical strategies uh, that we can use to increase the chances that our interactions and relationships uh, and, and especially conflicts are going to have positive and, and they're going to be effective as possible. So when we go to, you know, bring up something that is a conflict or an issue with some, something else, what are some strategies we can use that are going to help us have that be a win? Well, I think, you know, when you look at that, that uh, in the Bible where it's talking about turn the other cheek, um, you know, it's, it's certainly not a passive thing, but it's, it's the idea that God doesn't want our delivery to drown out our message. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of this thought of the softer we can respond, the softer we can start something in a relationship, the more likely the outcome. And research backs that up, that, that you know, they found that they, you have about three minutes from the time you start a conversation 
to determine whether it's going to end positively or negatively. And a lot of that depends on your tone, the words you choose. To, to, to The softer you can start it, the better. So even if you're turning the other cheek, what you're saying is, is I'm not going to be the person that escalates this, you know, you're going to, I'm going to say that it's, it's kind of like painting this person. It's kind of like in sports where the person who kind of, you know, talks and talks and talks and trash talks and then whoever lashes out is the one that gets caught. You know, wow. so it's not, it's not being passive. It's just holding your temper and, and waiting for that other person to, to make that mistake or burn themselves out in some way. So, so our delivery, just any, the, the more that we can be softer, not seeing softness as weak, but, but as a strength. And, um, and then a couple other things, too. I think it's really important to avoid all or nothing words like always or never that sure. paint, they, they paint you in a corner or they paint the other person in a corner. You know, if I say, like oh, when you, you your spouse or somebody, you never do this right or mm-hmm. something like that. Okay. Yeah. I used to tell my wife, I probably accidentally get it right once in a while. You know, so to say I never do it, I mean, I don't know. You got to have some video evidence there. Um, But the moment I say that or she says that, it's kind of like, what's the point of even going any further? Because if I always do it wrong, I never, you know, then it's it's, it's like, what are we going to talk about? You know, there's nowhere to go with that. Um, And then the other part, too, that I think is is important that we we. We hear this a lot, but we don't really hear it. And it's just listen, listen, listen. Um, just practical things like, you know, don't give your opinion unless it's asked for. We, we love to give our opinion. You know, that's just kind of – but a lot of times we're listening and trying to think about what we want to say next. And it, it feels disrespectful to the other person. And so um, we want to ask clarifying questions. People love to be heard and understood. And when we can do that in a conflict, it, it diffuses that person in marriage or friendships. And, and it's like when somebody feels cared for, they feel like you're really trying to, to hear what they have to say, they're going to be more likely to want to hear what you have to say. And so it creates a, a good foundation of uh, respect there. So I just think if we can kind of follow some of those strategies, that softness, um, and, and the other part is just really to seeing, really trying to make sure that you assume the best with people. Most of the time, they're not your enemy. You know, wow. if it's a French, you know, like if it's a marriage, you're going to be sleeping with that person tonight. So you probably want to be yep. careful, like practically. And then with friendships or coworkers, it's like, if I go into it, I just want to say things like, you know, hey, I'm sure you didn't mean to do it this way. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm really, sh- I'm sure that that's not what you meant to say. This is just how it affected me, and that if we can have that perspective, I try to do that all the time. Like they're not my enemy, yep. um, un- until they have to be. I mean, you—that's the last resort. Like it, when it talks about in Matthew, the last resort is to finally make them your enemy. But right. up until that point, you assume the best. Right. That's that's crazy because. Uh, you know, automatically, I feel like automatically in our flesh, we go to the idea when we've been hurt that someone did it on purpose. Like mm-hmm. you, it, instantly they did that on purpose. They meant to hurt me. And then we're right back at them, you know? And I, I think a lot of that comes from being little kids and just not understanding scenarios. And anytime as a little kid, you, you get hurt by someone else you assume was on purpose. And Hey, when you're little, probably lots of times it was right. The other day I caught my, my two-year-old with her, her, 
you know, ankle and my one-year-old's eyeball. And it was definitely, (laughs) you know, and she looks at me and she goes, it was an accident, daddy. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, but, uh, you know, even as adults, we look at that, we think they had to do that on purpose. And and that's also why things like text messages and forms of communication where you're not actually talking to someone are so hard because someone can insult you, you know, through a text or an email when you're hearing it, you know, or reading it, it can be insulting and that's not how they meant it at all. And so just mm-hmm. clarifying that what the person said was, you know, actually uh, deliberate. And I like the way that you said it, you know, just saying, hey, I'm sure you didn't mean to do this this way, you know, or trying mm-hmm. to be uh in biblical terms, I'll say me. And, uh, you know, a crazy, crazy thought. Um, Matthew 5, 5 says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And we, you know, one of the Beatitudes is Jesus in the, in the Sermon on, on the Mount. And we, we think of meekness as weakness in all cars, our culture, like, well, someone who's small and frail and weak and can't do things. And if you look it up in Webster's Dictionary, it it's actually pretty similar to that, and most things are pretty similar to that. But the Greek, in the Greek, to be meek was actually a picture of, like, a horse that is bridled. So something mm-hmm. that's powerful and strong and capable, but controlled enough to act with purpose. And so right. having the strength to act in, in, in a way, that, you know, that, that, that maybe you shouldn't, but you want to, but having the self-control to know that that's not the right thing to do. And certainly that plays into conflict. Yes. Um, okay. So my second question is this then. How do we deal with someone who seems to be combative or just antagonistic and is always wanting to fight? I'm sure we all have someone in our lives that you get around them and you can't help but say something mean. You just want to pick a fight with them or they want to pick a fight with you. Right. How do you deal with mm-hmm. that? The first thing I think is to to realize that your goal is to not give them ammunition to, to you know, like if you can starve an, a fire of oxygen, it'll go out on its own. And so ways that we do that is is one, you know, it sounds kind of weird, but just finding points of agreement, you know, and I have people who are trying to be combative. If I say things like, you know, uh, I hadn't thought about it that way or, you know, I, I can see where you're coming from. Whether I agree with them or not on the whole principle, if I can find aspects of agreement, whether it be a political thing um, or a spiritual thing, it, it tends to kind of help them feel a little safer. And so that's one area that I think we can do. And then the other one is just don't refute stupid um, so a lot of times we try to be argumentive back and, 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 you know, being able to just have the common sense sometimes to go, I'm not going to change their mind on this. And, and, and so being able to just kind of say things like, you know, I can totally understand that, you know, that's your opinion. I respect that. Uh, I don't think I'm going to change your mind on that. It doesn't sound like you're going to change my mind on that, but I, I still want to have a relationship with you. Um, or saying things like, you know, well, I can't. I can't really tell you any different. That's if that's how you see it, that's how you see it. So you're kind of like deflecting, you're putting it back on that person. But when we try to argue our point, it just motivates them to want to argue theirs even more. And so it's really just about thinking of ways to 
diffuse, um, take the, uh, the energy out of them. It's kind of like judo, but emotionally. And so, but one of the, you know, I find that a lot of ways, if I can find a place of agreement with somebody, it just really helps them calm down. Sure. Sure. So let me ask you this then, is agreement and resolution the same thing? Like if, if, if I can agree with someone and to have resolution, are those equal? No, that is that is a mistaken belief. I work with a lot of couples who think uh, we just can't come to an agreement, and yet we want to have resolution. And because we need to define resolution, it's really about when somebody feels like something got resolved, they walk away feeling acknowledged, believed, and that they feel like there's a plan that they can try. You know, that didn't mean they solved anything necessarily, or they even came to an agreement on it. But if you're like trying to deal with a budget, for example, with somebody, you know, you want to feel like your opinions about it are acknowledged. You want to feel like they believe what you're saying. And then you want to feel like you both walked away where you're going to try something. You know, we're going to, we're going to agree to try something. And that feels, so that feels like you resolved it, even though you didn't agree on it. Um, sometimes agreement and resolution can be the same thing, but often they are not. And research shows, too, that most relationships will have 60%, 70% of issues that you'll never get resolved. But that doesn't mean, you know, in the sense that you, you, you will come to an agreement, but it doesn't mean you can't feel good about the way you're handling them. <laughs> 60 to 70 percent that's depressing news to me but if i think about it i, I think you're right you know if, when you when you come to a resolution on something you can move forward in even though the entire issue may not be resolved it might just be left there's mm-hmm. you're, you're definitely feeling better about how things are going and able to walk away from something uh you know feeling good and feeling better about your relationship so it's it's almost like uh, being able to set down uh, that piece of an argument for the greater good of your relationship. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, in a sense, it's just being able to say, I, I hear your side, you hear my side, and and we. I believe what you're saying is true. You believe what I'm saying is true because perception matters. And then at the end, we come to some kind of plan that we're going to agree to try. You know, so we feel yeah. like we didn't just walk away empty-handed, but we we've got a plan, and and I think that just feels like you said that you use the word purposeful. I really like that word um, because God is a God of process, not necessarily a God of solution, and sure. and so we are looking for simple solutions to complex problems all the time. That's why we always give bad advice in horrible situations, but God is saying, no, I want you to work through this. The process of the situation matters more than maybe even the outcome, you know, because that's what's going to grow us. I love that. Uh, we we always say that God wants the growth that that uh, takes the longest and produces the most fruit. So if you are working uh, in your relationship towards resolution and growth, certainly through conflict, you're going to see fruit that's going to come out of that because uh, that's that's going to be something that you can remember. You can look back at it. Uh, God will show you how you've moved forward and past that. And then, uh, you know, certainly in the case of marriage or, or just life with relationships with people, I feel like when we do conflict well, and and, and so we treat each other in kindness and love and respect uh, the way that First Peter was talking about doing, the further we get away from that, 
the more of a witness that is to the Lord for people who are watching. So, mm-hmm. you know, people, people will know you by what you do, the actions that you take, just like you can't tell your kids, do what I say, don't do what I do, because your kids are always going to do what you do because they watch you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so as we are called to be a light in this place um, and, and people are witnessing our lives as they watch us go through these conflicts and hopefully using some of these tools that you've talked about and we do show love and kindness, um, you know, that is a witness directly to the Lord. And so I think that's a great word for today. Isaac, I want to thank you uh, for your wisdom and insights in this. Do you have any final thoughts on conflict before we close this up today? Um, just just the idea of summing it up is uh, just how we do it is more important than winning. If you want to have a win-win, it's just the world is going to pay attention to how you how you manage your temper, how you manage your tone, how you do those things, rather than nobody's going to go, wow, I love that person because they always win arguments. You know, that's only important if you're hiring them as an attorney. Uh, <laughs> other than that, it really, you know, it doesn't matter uh, in any situation. So it's it's really about the person. I always tell people, whoever needs to be right the least always has the most leverage in any conflict. Wow. Wow, wow that's so good. Um, okay. Uh, thanks for joining us today, everybody. This has been Pastor Pat Lynn and Isaac Johnson on Take the Word mm-hmm. for It. Really appreciate it. Tune in next time. I think we're going to be talking about why people lie. I know why I lie. I'm not sure why Isaac lies. Uh, <laughs> Great topic for next time. Uh, We will see you then. Be blessed. All right.